first of all, I think this is really, really exciting because I've been, I was like, I just had a shower an hour ago. I didn't want to come to this date unwashed. I was so filthy. I was smelling like gardening work and like other gardening work and maybe a day or two maybe skipped uh, showering. So anyway, it was, I didn't want to come that dirty, but it was also a matter of self-respect. But anyway, when I was in the shower, I realized that it's almost 20 years ago that I was your intern. A long, 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 long time. It's yeah, so yeah. crazy. And we always have stayed in touch. And But the thing is, the last time I think we saw each other face to face is almost 15-ish years ago as well. So it's it's really, really cool that even though we haven't spoken face to face or on the phone ever, really, um, maybe like once when I called in sick to say that I can't come to work, like in the year 2002. But other than that, we were never on the phone together. And it's so cool that you were so spontaneous and flexible and jumped in because we did want to meet for a netter and drink a glass of wine together and talk about life and things. But then the woman that I was supposed to speak to for this podcast, Rutendo in Harare in Zimbabwe, she had to cancel and you jumped in and here you are. And so anyway, thank you for that. Hey, so um, you're rolling. We're, I'm rolling. Roll it. Okay, so my name is Fabienne Nicholas and I am an Australian and Kiwi living in London. It is 7pm in the evening and the sun is just setting down. In my working life, I work for a charitable organisation called the Contemporary Art Society. And it's a, a very old 110-year-old organisation that has been building collections of uh, art for that time. So back in the day, in the 1910s when it was set up, they were buying Picassos and Chagalls and all this new art that was contemporary and, and, you know, nobody knew much about it. And they've continued to do that to this day. I run within the charity a business, an art consultancy, and I and my team, my wonderful team, advise on public art programs across the UK and we do a lot of art and cultural strategy work in thinking about how culture brings value to the public realm and how people who can maybe would not go to a museum to see an art collection can see art in their daily life. So we're thinking about that a lot. Well, I guess you have to at the moment, especially, huh? how are you coping with like business wise with the whole COVID situation? Really interesting. I mean, we had to mobilize super quickly to home working and I have uh, some 14 live projects at the moment and only, only one of them was stopped or cancelled because it involved outdoor work and we couldn't do socialization isolation oh, I can't even say it social isolation policy uh, to, to to carry out the work so that was the only project that stopped every other project had to be continued um, in a remote working online environment with a team of five people it was full power I have to say, <laughs> it's been very. That really sounds like it. Yeah. But I'm on. I'm on three weeks furlough at the moment, which is a scheme that the government has brought in to um, for for companies to just take their, if they can, save employees' jobs by letting them stop working for a while, and they will top up their salary. Blah 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 blah. So I've got three weeks off. This is my week two. I'm in heaven. In terms of the Corona timeline, that I I don't want to push it right into the center, but I would like to. 
understand where you are in terms of lockdown rules and stuff in England and in London in particular? Yeah, well, me, I'm an early adopter because I had a holiday uh, in Spain and France just in the end of February and I came back and I was sick as a dog and my partner was sick as a dog. So we probably had it. Uh, so we were off work for a week and then I went uh, to work for one day, I think it was on the 7th of March maybe, and that was the day I, I felt so creepy being on the tube. I felt it was awful, but there was not much information and then the very next day it was lockdown. So I, I haven't really been in the world for two and a half months really. When this podcast came out, you wrote to me and I thought that that was really awesome because... I was talking about the C words, like C ringing the bell for the whole COVID and Corona uh, shit that surrounds us, but the small Cs basically that are so important at the moment. Community. Everything, yeah. like community and connection and coping and creativity. And then you said, well, girl, you forgot the culture. And uh, yes, I mean, even though culture and the arts always play a huge role in the conversations that I have, but also like in our life anyway, because we're very artsy people. People, you especially, you were always the arts woman. Art babe. Oh, yeah. You were actually absolutely the art babe of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> But the culture... The culture is really interesting for me because it's not just about the arts. And, and this is where I've found my mind expanding as I get older and older. Culture is about the stories we tell about ourselves. It's about the way that we define ourselves. And so something like the way we cook our food, which is so important at the moment, you will do it differently, you know, what country you were grown up, the way your parents taught you, etc. These are the things that are our human experiences. And what's been so fascinating for me at this time is seeing how culture that we experience in the real world as a shared activity has been is being trying to be defined through the online world, through the digital world, and with, you know, varying degrees of success. But it's a really, really exciting thing to think about. You know, how do we properly connect using technology for our benefit rather than to be sold to or whatever it's there for? Yeah, and isn't it interesting? Because I have the feeling that the quality of my conversations have improved since this very solo isolation time I think maybe it's also a matter of taking the time to really listen to the other person and also to tell more from like my own end like usually I think I'm quite a private person it's really weird that I'm doing this because it really doesn't suit it's very public yeah it yeah. is yeah. but then also I thought it was a great coping strategy for myself because I really wanted to make sure that I don't end up as a weird isolated person And now, especially that I moved more or less into the woods, that I'm not becoming the forest lady that really turns out really like weird in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that was also like a bit of a, I don't know, maybe it was some survival kit for myself and also a really lovely reason to get in touch with everyone in the world. And see, that's also the, the conversation that we have now, we wouldn't have had otherwise because life would have been too busy and you know so it's but also you know I've always followed you on Facebook that's been our means of um you know staying in touch with each other and you know the technology has been what's allowed us to continue a relationship in a in a funny way and, and don't get me wrong I'm not trying to big up Facebook or anything it's crap but it's really good for just you know the stories of people's lives 
and particularly when you're far away from each other. So I feel like I have this kind of glimpse into your world, but I have no idea what you're really doing and what the forest is. Even though I love Berlin for very many reasons, especially those reasons that actually are currently not accessible, like the arts and the culture and like the city life and like the the social life there as well, I started to also feel like a growing sense of anxiety with the city as well. I needed a counterpart to balance myself out. And I was always longing for nature retreats. And friends of mine had a really sweet garden that I often babysat when they were away for holidays or something. So I was looking for a place for myself and I took a really, really long time. And then I was lucky because I wrote to the guy who put this place on the market. I wrote him a little letter probably I don't know like a little personal story and maybe that made an impression anyway I ended up buying this super crooked old GDR stone built so-called dacha a dacha is like the the Russian holiday house the, the holiday the Russian yeah, holiday yeah, house yeah. yeah but it's a very sweet one it's very charismatic It's surrounded by forest. Like the other day, seriously, if there wasn't a fence, I would have had like a deer walking through the garden. Oh, cool. Um, the wildlife. Yeah, I'm doing bird watching. I mean, the birds are going crazy at the moment. I should open the window in a second and let you listen to them if they're still awake. It's quarter past eight. Maybe it's bedtime for the birds. <laughs> Do you know what's a really interesting phenomenon for the birds, and particularly in areas surrounding cities, is... Their food supply has completely stopped because they live off all the scraps that I we know. drop, you know, all the chicken bones and the, 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 and they're all going out into the rural areas looking for their food again, like natural birds. That's very crazy. And I remember early on, I read a, a little note in the a daily newspaper in Berlin that we should uh, feed the pigeons because the pigeons are starving. <laughs> They're starving. Well. Oh, what was that sound in the background? That is That was Maya. That's one of the dogs. So we've got Bernadette here and Maya. And Maya was shaking her head. She's got big silky ears and they flap like a castanet. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. she sounded like it actually did sound like a Spanish castanet. That's yeah, why yeah, I was yeah, wondering. Yeah. I was like, did you have a moment there? <laughs> I should make a musical instrument out of her. She would hate that. <laughs> oh, you have But to send me a picture of her. But let me quickly wrap up my, my story. So it's surrounded by forest and there is a lake just behind. Oh, sounds like paradise. The soundscape here, like it's mental. Like the other day I was sending an audio file to my mom and she was like, are you in a zoo? Like it sounds like I'm in the tropics. It's so crazy, like the rainforest sound. But it is a very, it's very similar to rainforest because it's this region outside of Berlin that is called the Spreewald and it's very wetlandish here as well. Beautiful. It's, it's super, super beautiful. And I can, like, I'm very, very conscious of the fact what a luxurious situation it is that I'm able to work from here and, but also retreat here. And now, like, it feels like, Like for me at the moment, I'm having a really good time. Like I don't feel, um, I don't feel it. No, me too, me too. And and I think the connection to nature in however you can find it is one of the really big pillars to healing from this or to getting through this even is to be able to see the world changing and still, thank God it's spring, you know, the world is is bursting 
And this gives us hope that everything goes on around us, even though we're in this kind of bizarre global lockdown. Yeah, but I think it's also like it's a lucky minority that we're part of who actually do have oh. these resources and access to this. Yeah, layers of privilege. I'm very, very aware of that. And So those who haven't, I'm like, God, I don't know how they're coping. Like, I still, I just think about mums, fathers, families all the time. And it's interesting because I haven't had anyone in this conversation yet i mean i do have friends with children but the majority of my friends but i don't and but my world is surrounded by people who do so you know five of my team members have kids of varying ages most of my you know younger friends have one or two children you know i have nieces and nephews and godchildren so i'm surrounded by children And I just, I look at the parents and I just think, my God, how do you do this? You're carrying on your normal working life and trying to survive, you know, a global pandemic where the future is so uncertain, is very destabilizing time. And then look after kids and school kids as well. It's nuts. I have, I just, it can only have an admiration. Yeah. Let's do a toast. Indeed. Here's cheers to all of you parents and all of you essential workers i have a krombacher alkoholfrei i was i'm but i'm going to have a wine with you in this conversation as well because this is this is a bit of an exception because you jumped in it was all very spontaneous and we wanted to have a netter on the phone anyway and then i asked you if we could have that netter but with a recording and i loved that you had to explain that word netter to me which now i will never forget <laughs> <laughs> And and look, it's also, it would be un-Australian not to have a little sip of wine while we were having a nap. So true. But you know what? It definitely, I mean, one of the most beautiful side effects of this whole thing, I spoke about that with many friends in the last weeks was that everyone's really loving the silence and how quiet even Berlin has turned. And now it's, um, I think it will certainly start to get louder again because in Germany they're reopening and softening lots of the rules. And yeah. many of us here think that's a bit much at once, don't you think? Peoples, but um... I think the re the reentry is going to be the hardest part of all of this because, uh, and I, and I worry that the the whole way that we reenter will be more divisive than the way that we kind of close down. Mm. So you saw how governments pitched themselves against each other and all these targets and la la la. And it, but it was, it was very top down. It was very kind of panic driven. Now we have a chance to think about how we go back into the world. And, you know, the big drivers of, say, the economy, um, global trade relations, these have all been really kind of shifted on their head. And my fear is that we might just kind of be heading down the path to go back there because it's the known where we have this opportunity for change. I know, I know. I, I would be really, I would just be so pissed off if we would go back to, What Business really isn't, as usual. It really yeah. isn't achievable to go back to that normalness. I'm also thinking that this is a huge chance, like this disruption to overthink things. But now with our re-entry, Germany's uh, states, like it's federal states, and they all have their own uh, laws and rules. And it was such a huge competition. I'm sure that they had different lobbies sitting in their necks like like one state has the automobile industry sitting in their necks mm. the other one have like other industries that really 
shouldn't be on the forefront of our decision making, but they are. And it's really quite yeah. disappointing and frustrating and really makes me um, also mad to see the priorities that they're taking at the moment, for example, as mm -hmm. well. And it's a, it's a lot of reopening at once. And I think it would also be smart to like go slowly and check and see what happens. But yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing to come out of this, I think, hopefully psychologically is that this is an impact on society that no money can change that no privilege can save you from your your degree of survival will be obviously determined by your level of privilege and the things that you have access to but in the end the virus doesn't differentiate and that kind of democracy i suppose of um you know what could decimate a population One would hope that you would learn something from that and go, it doesn't, you know, what does it mean for me to have 26 billion if I can just be as mortal as any other? I don't know how it is in England because here we're starting to talk about the so-called prevention paradox. And I think that is a situation that is very strongly connected to Germany because Germany had such little case numbers in comparison to mm. other mm. European countries and did a really good job like um testing containing yeah. doing like intense testing and we haven't had such a terrible outbreak and horrible stories that we learned from like neighboring countries and we're expecting here as well um we're talking about prevention paradox so people think it was all over the top the decisions and the lockdown were all far too heavy and that would be really interesting for me to hear about um what you experience over there like here the conspiracy theories are going through the roof at the moment like there's so much bullshit out there we're seeing nothing of that here really very marginal interest and i mean what you're 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 seeing the same thing as is happening in america at the moment and that is a kind of it's a far right phenomenon a little bit of a let's just you know fight the fight the power no matter what it is and you know fight for the the right to do the ships excuse me I'm, i'm rambling here but i do think that kind of uh, the protest against the government is not coming from a good place not from an overthrow the government place but just from a um you cocked up our kind of There's, I mean, seriously, some of the, I don't even want to repeat them because they're so stupid. And obviously the stupidity really doesn't know any limits when it comes to this. But there is stuff that you wouldn't be able to imagine up. Like it's, it's so like from the weirdo books and they're really like they're, they're in their thousands and they're standing behind theories and, um, And stories like that, and you're just going like, well, seriously, like, it's so, it's really interesting, and but also very scary to observe how it even finds its way, like, it even sinks in into the circles of my friendships, like, very strange comments. And it's because there isn't really, um, in politics anymore, there isn't a huge kind of philosophical divide between the left and the right. It's all a bit around the centre and the centre is about economic development and that's what drives politics at the moment. So you don't get really healthy debate, you don't get really um, representation of marginal voices. And, you know, I mean, I've, I have been thinking for a long time and, and remember when I left Australia, which was, God, 17 years ago or something like that, um, I left because the right-wing government got in for the third time in a row and I realised that I was 
marginal in my beliefs. The country didn't believe the same way that I did. And so I thought I'm going to leave and, and find another place. And I moved to England where it just got, it got, got more and more. It just followed me. The rot followed me. Well, you have Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I mean, it, it's got Fuck. the thing I like about the political Westminster politics here is it, it's got a kind of absurdity to it. It's got a theatricality to. Totally. Sometimes when there's like snippets of that, it's like, wow, this really looks like it's straight from the theatre. Indeed, indeed. Like yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the the way that it governs itself is not really Westminster. It's it's the it's all of the white, uh, not the white coat. What do they call them? The um, anyway, the back of house, the administrative function really makes the country run. Whitehall, all of that. But I just I find it endlessly entertaining. Not very productive. I don't think, you know, the, the way Western democracy at the moment is productive. So we, it's good to see it kind of cracking up under pressure. You can't fix something until it's broken. That's so true. Yeah. Hey, when you look out of your window right now, mm. what is it that you see when you're... I see, a, I see a car park. I see a little small car park with a little kind of garden that I've tried to make on the edge of the car park. But I, I'm living um, in a bit of a halfway place at the moment in a little uh, really two up, two down box uh, in Wilsdon Junction in the west of London. And it's a really gritty urban part of London. It's very industrial It's full of um, transient workers who come in to do big building jobs or whatever, big railway junction, and the little little bit where we live is is kind of nicknamed Crack Alley. Oh, nice! It's <laughs> it's just a it's just a drug dealing spot, and and I love it. Just like good old St Kilda back in the day, sir. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know, I can walk around here at any time of the day or night and everybody knows everybody. It's a very good little community. We look after each other. We, oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, in its own funny way, it, 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 it operates very well. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's got some skills, we, you know, we give our skills in the local area. That's something that's really inspiring me at the moment is the chance to do things outside of my work because I work, you know, like full on 50-hour weeks and I never have time for anything. But at the moment I've got the time to um, think a little bit outside of that and, and do some things in the community that are really inspiring for me. And What are you doing there? Like what has inspired you? So, so we have uh, this... You know me, I'm a farm girl mm -hmm. and I have to be near nature and I live in the centre of London. So my nature has been my little boat, which I bought a boat, which is on the canals and I cruise around on her. But also we have a share arrangement with a couple of horses, not very far from where we live behind Wembley Stadium. And it's a, it's a, a girl who has three horses in a local, a, you know, public park and We are establishing with her a more kind of community-focused operation for the place, turning it into a place where people can connect with nature, can connect with a kind of rural nice. animal husbandry, um, growing things, maybe things like medicinal herbs, an eco, an arts eco center, but with this kind of farm at the heart of it, which is what's really nice about it. It's about domestic animals. Everybody who comes past the barn and the horses stops and it's like hundreds and hundreds of people a day they're from every race color creed you could name and every single one of them has something in them that is brought out by the presence of this rural lifestyle it's like oh, 
this reminds me of my granddad's barn. Oh, I used to ride a horse when I was little. Oh, my, my, my nana had a dog like that. Da, 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 da. And you know what? I think that coming close to a horse nose is the most therapeutic thing that you can do, like touching a horse. Oh, And the breath. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful. That makes me happy. Like whenever I come past horses and they let me <laughs> i try and do it yeah me too oh, that sounds really nice it's the horse whisperer trick you can you can blow up their nostrils and they'll blow back Ooh. at you <sighs> but yeah it's really it's heavenly because i get to hang out with the horses and then i do i put my skills to good work you know it's a little thing but we want to turn it into a Uh, community enterprise or charitable organization will work out the direction um, and have a relate have a proper relationship with the council to deliver some of the social services that they perhaps wouldn't be equipped to we're really equipped to deliver that that is awesome I really love that idea yeah but I have to interrupt you for a second I just have to go and get myself a glass of wine okay But I thought, just for the soundscape, I open the balcony door here or the terrace door and maybe there's uh, the owl sound or something. I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to listen in. But now I close it again for the recording quality. I could hear the... Well, again, fab cheers. Cheers, my darling. Uh, Sante, is it a white or a red? It's a red one. Lovely. I've got a white. I heard I heard lots of blackbirds, but no owl. Well, there's one story that I totally forgot to mention, and I think it's probably the, the highlight of my day today in terms of growing self-esteem with the country life. Because seriously, earlier today when I was gardening and I was using the hose, I thought if someone would have put a video on me, I could probably make it into a viral spot because I can be so stupid when it comes to this kind of gardening work. Like I, <laughs> I don't have two left hands, but I, I can be extremely unlogical with some things. But I, I share this little crooked house with every now and then with some animals mostly mice and I have a very lovely friend and neighbor who's not afraid of spiders which comes in super handy because I really dislike them <laughs> every time there's a spider here that I can't deal with and she is here she comes and rescues me you call her up it's very interesting does she use the glass yeah she does yeah she does the glass yeah, thing it's so easy yeah <laughs> But, you know, whenever she's not here, I sort of sort it out myself and I always feel like I'm growing a little bit and thinking, well, I'm getting them. It's getting better. Yeah. And then the last week she was here and I caught two mice in one of these survival traps. Yep, yep, the living living traps. Yep. Yeah, the living ones. Um, But she came over and then we got the trap out of the – well, she did – I uh, got the trap out of the corner. We walked into the forest and let go of the mouse. And they were usually really, really sweet. But then I did some research and read that I wasn't leaving them, like getting them back into nature far away enough from my house yes, so that yeah. they would be able to find their way back. Anyway, I thought two mice in one week, I am free of any illegal subletters and then this midday, <laughs> I found really fresh mouse shit. And I was like, fucking hell, like seriously, these creatures really start to try and trick me out. And I put the trap and then I was working outside in my, well, my garden office and heard this sound and was like, oh no, 
Okay, and then I, I got the little mouse, I put her in a bucket, and I drove her three k's away from my house, and she was so Aww. sweet, seriously. But I think I'm getting, like, I'm getting there. I'm getting, like, I'm getting the country girl. Do you know if they're native mice, or are they introduced mice? She was, I looked her up, because I thought it was very fascinating. She's a um, a German, or, well, a forest like a forest mouse they have red okay. and white yeah. fur and big uh, buttony eyes and and I read about her that the urine reflects ultraviolet and birds who like mice like her they can see because of the urine traces on the ground they can see and follow these little mice into their holes because they isn't that amazing? Very self. It's very self-destructive uh, evolutionary trait. Well, for the mouse, but not yeah. from for the bird. It's super handy. Like it's like yeah. it's like a neon sign to where the mouse lives. It's like here. <laughs> Turn on the blue lights. It's disco time. Yeah, yeah. Total disco time. Like disco <laughs> meal time. You know. <laughs> oh, poor little mice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. If you um, take them far away, they also have to wherever you dump them, they're going to land in some other mouse's territory and that's another thing to factor in because they then have to kind of fight to make their own territory again look i when i did some research about this whole mouse thing i read about the living traps and that mostly the living traps are a story for the person who puts them up because the person then thinks that he or she is a really good person on this planet Indeed. Yeah, yeah. and yes you're right you don't necessarily yeah. do that animal a favor but the problem is i couldn't cope and handle a dead killed mouse in here like i wouldn't be like i would have to have a constant mouse companion by my side which yeah, yeah. isn't possible so it has to be this way or no way <laughs> <laughs> I really believe that I see wild animals having a growing self-esteem at the moment, like reclaiming their territory. I have the impression. It's pretty amazing how quick how quickly the world has sprung back without us populating its urban realm. I mean, you know, all of these fabulous photos of the clear canals in London, in Venice, the, the deer coming back in the cities, all of this. I know, yeah. Um, it, it's extraordinary how quickly nature can just say, yeah, yeah, I'm getting on with it. And Yeah, I'm like I'm extremely unimpressed by this. I just function, like I keep on working the way I always work and you can go fuck yourselves, <laughs> basically. <laughs> But nature knows nature knows best. Nature will always be the one. I mean, it, it's just a really beautiful metaphor, I think, for the fight that we have with climate change. With uh, uh, we have to. We we could learn so much from her right now. I mean, and always. <laughs> yeah, we have to. You know, this is the place that we have to exist on, and we've not left a very good legacy. And this this little time is showing us quite pointy in a quite pointy way how you know if we stop doing what we do how quickly nature can kind of get over us mm. long may yeah. it last because we still have this big question of um, well not big question this big big crisis of the ecology sitting right behind it it caused this we're sitting here today because of this mm. our relationship with nature mm. I find it really interesting that you and I both live in these huge European cities that are usually full of over-tourism. Yeah. And now they're 
full of emptiness <laughs> in that regard, at least. I'm just curious to observe from the distance how Berlin will move on in the next couple of weeks and months also as a space, like mm -hmm. a public space that is usually so inhabited by strangers as well. At the moment, the, the like the last time I was there two weeks ago, it sometimes does feel a little bit like a like an outdoors festival like it's so packed that there i think there's almost no space left for more people because everyone wants to be outside but we'll see how interesting and and do you think that that impression is also because people are trying to social distance so they look bigger they look en masse or i mean yeah i guess it's Both, it's more people having time because they're forced to, to stay at home. And they have small places and they need a bit out, of outdoors mm -hmm. for their sanity. And then there, it's really hard to keep the whole distance thing because then the space that is there is actually quite scarce, you know? it's uh... No, the limitations of public space are very present now. I'm really interested because I think a lot about how culture operates in the public realm. You know, we've always thought of it as a... A mechanism, a means to bring people together and to share an experience, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. a, a concerto or a piece of public art or a performance outdoors. You know, these are shared spaces. Now we have to think about what does a, a shared space look like when you have to have social distancing measures. And I'm really interested in the role that perhaps, you know, dance or choreography Or, or even music, you know, with its kind of sequencing, how it could help us think about moving in public space with social distance, because it's going to take a very different way of thinking, mm -hmm. a yeah, dynamic totally. of, you know, the way, you know, you'd be in the park and I don't know if it's like there in Berlin, but here in London, because we're all so polite, you know, the Londoners, are, when you ask me about the lockdown, it's like everyone's kind of behaving Who, mm -hmm. who can afford to. And then there's the whole lot on the street who are just doing their own thing. And that's pretty normal kind of London. But eventually we're all going to have to learn how to behave well in public space, behave with social distance and, you know, tell people off who aren't behaving well so that they learn and la, da, 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 da. And I think there's a real role for, uh, for dance to come in here. And, and how do we shape public space moving around each other? Is that, um, is that a completely mad idea? No, not, or what? At, not at all. And I think it's super necessary to, to come up with something, like both on an intersocial level, but also on a cultural artistic level. Mm -hmm. But I was just in my brain, uh, there was a film playing while you were talking and I was just seeing people dancing around each other in public spaces, like per se. <laughs> that would be nice. But I also, and I even brought this as it's something that could be interesting for you in that context. It's called the facade cinema uh, the art house cinemas here in berlin uh, came up with that and arrange for neighborhoods to watch a movie together in silence like it's well it's without tone it's projected against the big wall for the whole neighborhood to see but it's not a silent movie it's a it's a film but they play it with subtitles like um heaven over berlin or whatever the english title for himmel über berlin is um wim wenders film for example or the artist i think like visually strong films that work without the sound and that work with the subtitles and i think that's a very sweet idea and it's also a way for the movie uh, theaters the arts houses to try um and also you know be there and be visible as Like the lack that is created by not being able to go to the movies, for example. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What's interesting, though, in saying that is, is you're saying that they're projecting without sound. And it would be relatively simple, you would think, to set up a, a small local broadcast to, to, to transmit the sound so that you could, listen, you could tune into a radio, for instance. I don't know if, if that's an artistic choice to have the sound off and to mm. maybe also celebrate the silence that we currently um, enjoy. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, true, you can probably like easily also have individual um, channels and then listen in or something that would probably be possible. Mm -hmm. But I gave you I gave you my local knowledge because it was the thing that I'm involved in at the moment. Um, what I didn't tell you, the community, uh, rural, arts, eco, da, 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 you know, the, the thing that we're building yeah. at the moment. What I didn't tell you is the way this came about was through purely through the COVID virus crisis. So the, the girl that we share the horses with, she rents the paddocks from someone who's had a long-standing relationship with the council On week two of lockdown, this woman gave our friend 48 hours notice to remove three horses from the centre of London. Oh. And it was like, what? That's illegal. I mean, that's mad. How can you do that in a lockdown? What the fuck? Anyway, we went, did a lot of support getting her legal mm. advice and uh, police brought in uh, in the end and fought the battle, basically, for an unfair eviction and an impossible eviction to try and move three horses during lockdown. Can you imagine? But out of that, it was a pretty stressful four weeks. But out of that, uh, yeah, the woman who had the lease has given up the lease and the council who owned the land have given us the opportunity to put forward a proposal awesome. mm -hmm. for this community center so that is the most extraordinary thing that would never happen in normal times and it, it's that's like a very unexpected almost happy i don't want to call it an end but a happy Happy outcome. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, you know, they, they would have been all too bureaucratic. At the moment, there's a certain freedom. If something works, don't fuck around with it. Mm. Let it go on. And we, we had to fight the battle to get the, you know, to make everything safe again. But we also proved that it's working. It's a good thing. So that's my local, my local news. You know what, Fab? I think that that's my favorite side effect of this whole Corona shit is that these moments and these like out of the box kind of rule breakers under normal circumstances are possible and that they're like so much of this happened so many mm -hmm. out of the box kind of ideas were made possible in such a super quick time and now I'm, I fear that we're moving back into like the old tracks that have these like you know these limitations left and right and yeah. that these things are now difficulter again to uh, put into action i think you're right it's very hard for a society to change so rapidly so it's like a bit of a titanic shifting mm. moment so everyone had to change to lockdown and that had its novelty and it's kind of, you know, it got everybody's enterprising spirit going and now everyone's getting bored and, you know, then people are going to want to go back to normal. And so it's inevitable that a lot of this, what you would call blitz spirit maybe, or the, the spirit of invention, you can only sustain that even on a physical level, mm. adrenally, to have this constant adrenaline rush of survival and protection and mm -hmm. what am I going to wear when I go out and how am I'm going to dispose of my this and that, and that. It's a very heightened state of alert. So mm. we are going to have to come back and we are going to have to come back into some sort of normality. It's I true. think the anxiety yeah. that you're expressing is the same one that I am expressing is that 
we go back to the same systemic failures. Yeah, exactly. Of the world economy, of like nationalised global state, etc., etc. Climate change. It's so true, but only now the power cemented on the male side completely. I have the feeling that this crisis management has also brought up inequality in terms of who's the decision maker here, who's the crisis. True, true. And, you know, there are a number of very, very competent and humane female politicians who are taking the headlines at the moment. I know. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a joy because I think the other thing that we will experience other than, you know, yes, there will be a kind of gradual shift back to some sort of normal and all of that but there will also be a reckoning you know where where people will have to account for what they did well your word in god's ear i really hope that that's going to happen me too but it won't be personal but it should be a learning exercise like you know you talk about evaluation and reflection and we need to take a big fucking pause after this crisis is somewhat managed and and just go what the fuck led to that and and what can we do to prevent that and what did we learn about ourselves that was better from this oh i hope so yeah it's a very female thinking approach as well though fab and i really hope that we will take the time because often enough we know that from our work experience as well the evaluation part is being swept under the carpet because in the end there is no time and only the big results count yes and then the boys shine in the light of the results and and the people who did the real work they got their hand clap and they're like they're one time off uh, bonus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then after that is like thanks back to business now we're telling you again what to do that's always inevitable and, and that is that's the you know that's the kind of the plight of um the activist and, and mm. honestly kathleen I, i i'm on a seesaw between activism and escape constantly you know i'm yeah. I'm, i'm sitting here and going okay, I need to realise everything that I've got in London and get the fuck out of London and, you know, get that farm back and do what I do that I, I know I do so, you know, this is what is in me so deeply. You and I, you and I share this. We're town mouse, country mouse. Well, but you were always the real country girl. I was just like the visitor. But I think Australia really changed that um, about my character as well. I've become yeah. a more country person there. I learned the country there, basically. And it's really, it's a really nice thing that I brought back about my identity is this hinterland, the countryside, the, the roughness, the dirtiness, where I don't have to think about what I'm wearing, not even like for a second, and get my hands dirty and love it and forget to shower and stink like a garden and... Two gardens at once. <laughs> See, the land, the land is the best teacher, and I can't escape that. So, living in the heart of London, doing this crazy crap with the horses and the and the boat and the da da da, is this is just it's I can't do anything else. Yeah. By the way, I really like that you called your boat a her. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> She's a she through and through. They do. Yeah. They have gender. They're not very PC boats. You know, they're not down with the, they're not woke. But they, they <laughs> <have>. <laughs> What is her official name? Baloo. Ooh, Baloo. Yeah. So you remember from the Jungle Book, Baloo the Bear. It's so, it's so funny that you bring that up because of course I know that Baloo is from the Jungle Book. And um, the other day, a friend of mine also from Australia and also Facebook. Um, Acquaintance. Facebook keeps things alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was posting the bare necessity. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because. It's and just the. the 
bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. And then it's in German. Yeah. Wait, it's like sing. Versuch's mal mit Gemütlichkeit, mit Ruhe <laughs> und Gemütlichkeit. <laughs> Lass alle deine Sorgen <laughs> über Bord. Und wenn du stets gemütlich bist und etwas appetitlich <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. And it's funny because just yesterday my neighbor friend who always helps me with the spiders, she showed me the intro uh, of Heidi, this German or Austrian or Swiss. I know um, it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I didn't know, but the intro and the whole comic was made from like Japanese manga artists back in the 70s so what I grew up with the comic basically was a, mm. a Japanese artwork and then dubbed back into German and their intro is really sweet and awesome as well like the Japanese Heidi well which sounds completely different oh I'd love to see that I sent you a link it really like I it really blew my mind yesterday and she so random like sometimes random things come up but I think that she actually watches Heidi to come down and to calm her nerves <laughs> no well, Whatever gets you through the night is all I can say. Totally, absolutely. Hardy yeah. of the hinterland. I have to change colors because my red wine is empty, but I'm lucky to still have a Very white good. wine in well, the fridge. Sante, so, darling. Cheers. White wine from me as well. A nice little Pinot Grigio. I read um, that's two weeks or three weeks ago in the German news that the wine sales went up 34%, and I really certainly, certainly have contributed to that. Darling, nobody is going through a pandemic sober. That is all I can say. There is not even a chance of that. So I'm not worried about that. I've even actually, um, don't tell anybody, I've even been smoking a little bit of pot. <gasps> I know, I know. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to hmm, nice. get a bit snaky. <laughs> I love it. It's so sweet. Very awesome. Oh, God, it's so nice to see you now as well. And and you too. And who are you there with? Are you are you on your own there? or Yeah, you... my own. Just with the two mice or one yes. mouse. Or, <laughs> you um, really need to get a dog. I think that's a, a good solution for but, you. You know, the good thing is that I really don't feel lonely, like, at all. Mm -mm -mm. It's, um, yeah, it's it's really good. So I I, ne I never feel lonely either and I um sometimes I feel over a little overrun with people like it's quite busy at the moment I would have liked to have had a little peace and it's only one or two people it's not like I'm having this mad social life but there are just it's I wouldn't mind just sleeping for three days and nobody bother me <laughs> but why but now that you have these like you still have two weeks of your of this what is it called again uh furlough oh furlough so why don't you just do it? Like sleep in for two days in a row and just go crazy. I can do that. Join for breakfast and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I will find some time to do that. You know, there's a certain, I don't know, there's something driving me at the moment, which is a sense of like, I need to do something that's purposeful. And my work is important and I love mm. it, but it's very... It's very big, you know, it's quite high level and, and I want to see my mm -hmm. work have a bit more of a direct impact where it can do some real, real immediate good. So that's why I'm keeping busy just to get yeah. that balance, I suppose. And then you're right though, a balance of bedtime would be a really good thing too. <laughs> 
And now that you definitely still have the, the space for it, why not do that crazy thing that you haven't done in like 20 or 30 or whatever, how many years? Do you find, do you find your energy levels are very variable at the moment? They're up and down or? No, they're pretty high energy. Good. High yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and I really think it's because I wake up to the sound of birds and I go to bed. With the sound yeah. of birds or, well, to no sounds, to the sound of fire. Today is actually the first time that I haven't put fire, uh, fire in, mainly because I thought it was disturbing as a background noise. But it's also today was a nice warm day and the next two days are going to be warm as well. And then I'm heading back to Berlin because I have a meeting next week and I really need to do washing. Like it's like I start to feel filthy. But as I said before, I also really like to feel like the country filthiness it's nice do you think we will ever travel again the way we used to it's uh it's a question that i have been discussing a lot um i think long distance travel is probably going to be trickier because so many airlines won't exist anymore it's going to be much more expensive more exclusive i think and not so available to the public the majority always talking about the majority of the privilege not mm. the majority of the world's population um i think we will probably also focus on more regionality mm. uh, exploring our maybe neighboring state more that we've never seen before and realize that it's fucking beautiful probably <laughs> Um, it's hard though for, for, for people like us who have a absolutely a global relationship. You know, we have a yeah. relationship to people uh, many, many I know. Well, halfway around the world. It's the, it's the I, curse. It's the dark side of the globalized biography that we have. Huh? It's like mm -hmm. uh, because a Zoom conference helps as an intermediate solution but doesn't really do the trick in the long run for parents, partners. Uh, I mean, I have friends who are forced to be separated at the moment in two different countries. I have a friend who is stuck in her European uh, house but can't go home to her homeland. And I'm sure that that really is a very extreme stress level when you're by yourself and you want to be with the ones, like maybe yeah. your family or your closest, oldest friends, and you can't go there. And really, mm. who knows who when we can... So I do think that um, travel will probably have a focus on more regional, but there will be travel again, definitely. But I think in a more limited and a more exclusive way. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. But it's it's this time of being apart from people I'm finding really profound. I have a friend whose father died of natural mm. causes mm -hmm. during this time and, and Jewish family. They She lost her mum a year ago and they had the most beautiful Jewish funerals. And I, I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish funeral, but they are mm -mm. really celebrations of a life and they're really rich and full of people and love. And she had to have a, you know, hideous civic funeral with no family. They were allowed uh, four people to come to the funeral. And Oh, God, it's horrific. You know, and I'm thinking about this idea of, I don't know, commemoration. You know, how do we remember the people who, you know, lost their loved ones at this time? How do we, you know, also all the children that are missing out on their schooling at this time or they're getting this different mm. schooling, which I think is great, parents go rock, um, but 
this will be a generation that had a very different education to generations before and after. You know, I mean, it's a really profound moment. Mm -hmm. What will we call this generation of people that come through it? The Covidians? I don't, I don't know. But it's it's almost like a wine when you had a good year or a bad year, ah, you know? Good, good reference. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. No, that's very true, actually. So maybe it will... It will add some survival techniques to the biographies of those kids and us, um, but those kids especially that they would have otherwise not achieved, but they will probably be not as smart as if they would have been in school full time. Yeah, but maybe more street smart yeah. or world smart. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I must say my beloved grandma, she died last year on the 1st of May, the workers' day. Mm -mm. Oh, you just had the anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I I was thinking about her a lot, obviously, because A, the garden here holds the, I don't know what the English word would be. It's like blue, purple flowers that blossom in this time. And we call them don't forget me. Forget me nots. Forget me nots. Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful. So it's it's really beautiful. They're just growing at the moment. But also another, oh, I have to show you. Um, another plant, it's a tree. Can you see the purple one? It's called Fleda. Can you see it or is it too far away? Oh, lilac. Ah, lilac. And that's like, it's it's a smell that I remember from my childhood and it's also connected to my grandmother. That's beautiful. So I have... Yeah. Always a grandma smell, lilac. It's an old lady smell. Yeah, but my grandma was, was a farmer and she was using the word shit several times a day and... Wasn't certainly not smelling of any lilac. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My grandma was like she she was a she was a star. But anyway, I was thinking about exactly that problem so much in the last weeks, and and said to myself, but also to my family members, how lucky we were, and she was that all of this happened exactly a year ago. Because a year later, now it would have been really traumatic. Like really traumatic, what you just described with your friend and her yes. very anti-cultural way to having to say goodbye to her father, especially when he was already the second parent who had to, you know, pass away. Mm -mm. I really, I don't know if I, yeah, I would find it really hard to cope with that kind of extreme situation. And I really think that it would have caused some traumatic stuff within me so i'm really grateful yeah possibly but i i know many people who have lost somebody mm. during this time and it's just because i have a, a lot of people that i'm in mm -hmm. contact with the director of a project that i've been working on for two years died three weeks ago We're thinking about mm. how do we turn the project into something that remembers him in a good way. And I think on a kind of city scale or mm -hmm. even a national scale, we're going to have to start thinking about what does that commemoration look like as a sense of um, support for people who lost somebody, uh, support for people who don't understand or don't have the resources to grieve properly. And we need, you know, I think there's there's a real calling at the moment for how do we memorialize as a society this time and make it meaningful. Mm. Hey, you know what? It's really interesting that we're talking about this because this leads me directly now and I have to use that opportunity because it's just such a perfect surf into my news item that I wanted to bring. And it does have to do with commemoration. Is that the right word in English? Yeah, it's a good word. Of the liberation of like the NS regime, the like the final capitulation of Nazi Germany today 
75 years ago. The 8th of May is the so-called Day of Liberation. Mm. And today, well, while we're recording this conversation, is that day. And for the very first time in history, it's been a public holiday in Berlin. Like never before. And today is a public holiday, ah. the Day of Liberation. And you can imagine that 75 years after the end of World War II, there would have been like an enormous amount of cultural and like social events all over the city, like the capital of Germany, where the like the final uh, battles were fought as well. Um, and how are people commemorating today? Then? Well, I mean, on the news front, I just know that like the, the five leading politicians, like the president of Germany, but also Chancellor Merkel and two or three others commemorated today going to, oh God, I can't. What, like the Reichstag or? No, not the Reichstag. Um, the Oh, it's, oh, I have to look it up, but it's beautiful because also in the center of this, it's a very small little, um, it's not a cathedral, but it's something that you, like, it's always accessible. Neue Wache, the new watch, basically. That's what it would translate to into English. They call it the cenotaph here, the cenotaph, so the watch place. Ah, yeah. In the center of it, like, it's open. You can go in inside. Well, not really. Usually there is, like, a, a door, but you can see through it. And in the in the center of it is a sculpture by Käthe Kollwitz, like, a really, like, probably one of the biggest German sculpturists. And it's called Mother with Dead Soldier or something like that. And it's a really powerful sculpture. They put down their flowers and they were, and then there was a speech mm. and, but it was all in silence. And then I heard in the radio news that, that a trumpet player was playing like a war song all by himself. And it was really like, actually today when I heard this, it really gave me goosebumps. And for the first time in like two or three weeks, I had the feeling, oh, there was a little knot in my throat. I really had to swallow that away because I thought it was really intense that all these people wanted to use this day to remind And to also highlight that we cannot forget, like, you know, there was such like big international multicultural exchange, intergenerational, all that stuff. All, everything had to be cancelled. And I know people who were working in museums who had like, who worked on this project for long times and they, now it's like, it's not accessible. Are they shifting it to online kind of content? I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, as far as I know, museums open on the 15th so maybe it's going to be a late dealing with it and i don't know if there's any plans for that but it's it's still tragic that today had to be had to be the most silent anniversary imaginable but maybe that tells us something you know maybe all of the maybe also it fits it fits as well mm. yeah the hubris the hubris of our commemorations uh glorification of human society etc the the hubris is no longer what we can live out we can't do this big hurrah mm -hmm. so the moment is about small commemorations thinking about what does it mean for you personally to have lived you know to have had a family be descended from people who lived through war what does that tell us about our time i mean that's what's so interesting about this moment And now to you with your news. My news, my news of the day. Uh, this is my the artist that's inspired me at the moment. So the what I've been doing, because I work with artists all the time, and what I've been really interested in is in the first couple of weeks of lockdown, all the artists were coming to me saying, I've lost this, I've lost that, da da da, da. I, I haven't got my studio, I can't get to my studio, I can't get materials. 
I can't, you know, buy the tools of my work. And, you know, I'm not talking for all artists, but the stories that have inspired me are the artists who have gone out into the world and used their creativity to make something different. And so the example that I want to talk about is a, a lovely, wonderful artist filmmaker called Melanie Moncho. And she very quickly, uh, a couple of her friends all became, um, well, what would you say, redundant at the same time. So a chef uh, who's a very close friend of hers was the, the restaurant closed down. And so she's been furloughed. And they're like, oh, okay, what are we going to do with our time? We can't work, but we can volunteer. And they pulled together a collective who are making meals for NHS workers, uh, the health service workers. When they're coming off their shift, they sit down in a lovely space with nice light and eat a warm, gorgeous meal. They can go home with a full belly and sleep. They don't have to go to the supermarket and battle with all of the crowds and the, the social distancing. And they can just go and sleep and be restored and go back to work in the morning. This, for me, was an amazing project. They did this for two weeks at the beginning of lockdown, and then they realised we can't afford to keep it going, so we need to do a little crowdfunding campaign. Let's raise 10 grand so that we can buy the food to make the meals. And they raised 10 grand in three days. Awesome. 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 I mean, just a really beautiful project. And that is, I mean, the reason why I bring it up because I'm not really interested in artists as maker of things. Yes, beauty is important in this world and artists, you know, add so much beauty to our world. This is important. But more importantly, artists are involved in society and artists don't now in the contemporary art world, the material is not paint, it's not clay, it's not stone. The material is the world the dynamics, the relationships, the understanding of the world. That is how artists are thinking about the world in our times and using this as their medium. So this is a time where, you know, artists can speak about these times in a way that will shine a different perspective on them. But also while perhaps they, you know, I mean, maybe if, if I was an artist this time, would I would not be feeling creative. I would be feeling like I want to do something like everybody is, and artists are doing things creatively. So let's shine a light on the role that art and culture and artists and people with creative minds play in our society, not just for making things, for, for making good. Yeah, that's a nice one. Um, I have two things because, I, A, I want to I wanna also bring my artists, but also I want to recommend you a podcast that I thought is so amazing. I want to hear. It was recommended to me by a really good friend in Berlin. She also is from Australia. I really have a very strong Australian network in my life. It's beautiful. Um, and that podcast is also about a disaster, but a natural disaster. Well, you would think so. It's about um, the Hurricane Katrina. It's a podcast by The Atlantic and it's called Floodlines. It's a podcast in eight parts and it's so amazing. And I think maybe I, besides the fact that it probably is one of the best uh, podcast stories that I've heard in my entire life, it is also so great because it tells the story of a disaster and about disaster and crisis management and reactions and and it's it's an almost a parable to where we are at at the moment and like we could learn from older disasters that were managed well or were managed not so well and that one definitely was managed like shit house like 
bad, really, really bad, because the hurricane itself wasn't the problem. The problem was that they basically let the city of New Orleans flood and people were left alone with the consequences. But it's so amazing because this podcast just brings it all together and like puts it on a silver platter in front of you to understand and learn from it, plus have four really amazing characters who were part of this and experienced it and talk about their experiences. Well, that was actually a moment where I also had it. Like I had one crocodile tear when one of the protagonists, um, a woman in her 30s, like American, speaks about the shutdown after the hurricane, like before the drama actually hit. And she left the house, everything was quiet, and she leaves her house and goes outside and it's pitch black and she sees stars like she's never seen stars in her life. And she, the way she says it, I mean, I can't speak that kind of like Southern uh, American, but also Black American, like, um, but it was just like the way she said, how, like, holy moly, I've never seen stars like this my whole life was like, was like, <laughs> for me, <laughs> it was amazing. So anyway, that is, um, if you still have time, it's like eight parts, I think all together, it's like five or six hours. It really is so good. Please send it to me. I'd love to love to watch it. Hear, hear it. Yeah, well, but you really watch it in your brain. It's so good. Um, so that is one recommendation. So I'm cheating. And the second one, the artist that I bring uh, into our conversation today is an artist we don't know because it's the woman that I would have been in conversation with today for this ah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about her. And she seems to be an all-round talent. She, I mean, my old colleague, Watsi, she brought us into contact. And Watsi and her husband, they're both from Zimbabwe and they live in Berlin. And she brought up Rotendo and said, hey, she would be really interested to speak to. And Rotendo is a radio presenter and a TV presenter in Harare. But she also is like a model for fashion shows. And like she's all over the place. She does everything. But she also sings and does spoken word and has many, many talents. Um, one of them being like baking uh. and cooking. Because now during this whole COVID thing and lockdown, she started a business, a vegan business in Zimbabwe. And that was the reason why she had to cancel because she was so busy um, organizing like in lockdown ingredients for food jobs that she now had. Yeah, good on her. So good, huh? so good. She, I asked her because now that I missed to speak with her, hopefully we can do it another time at some point, but I asked her if she couldn't uh, send me some of her music and she sent me a whole selection and I picked the one that is called, I have to read it, it's called Chokwa, I think. That's how you... Um, pronounce it it means the admirable look back like if someone walks past you and you go like that's what chokwa means oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, the, the glance. glance um and it's a spoken word and she sings or speaks and a friend of her uh teresa is playing the drums can you play it yeah let's see if that works i just open the file and see if that works through skype that would be nice because i really digged it i think it was an awesome sound wait here it is do you hear that ah yeah yeah good 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 chill chill 
Lindy Sore Dinza, Jacob Sokumusha, Chewa, Chewa, Ruvene Gorwenika, Mubiri Kusimba, Muchuku, Mutema, Muchela, Chewa, 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 Chewa. Girozi yepasi, jere rulu neumu, chewkwa, ruvare zimbabwe, muzimbare mabwe, chewkwa. that darling that's beautiful the song that i'd like to give this time is by kate tempest oh i love her called firestruck and it's the song of my summer really yeah i forward this to you awesome but um just me on the boat with the dogs and listening to kate tempest on a summer afternoon and what i love about it is that that summer afternoon will come again yeah oh definitely well, what a beautiful final word. What an optimistic final word as well. Okay, this was a pretty long across already. Today closes with a special extra greeting from Rotendo in Harare. Coming up next, I would really like to hear from mothers and fathers and parents across the globe and hear how you feel, send a voicemail to acrosspodcast at gmail.com and follow this whole thing here on Instagram, across underscore 2020. And really my last words for today are please check out tomorrowtvfundraiser.com. See ya. Hello, everyone. Makadi. That's Shauna for Hello, How Are You Doing? My name is Rutendo Mutsamgaram, and I am currently in Harare, Zimbabwe, in Southern Africa. I was supposed to join you guys for a chat today, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I think you can look at it both ways, during COVID lockdown on the 19th of April, to be exact, um, I started my own vegan meal delivery service from home. I am vegan or transitioning vegan rather. I think that's the most accurate um, word to describe it. And ever since I 
took the plunge. I've been getting orders for my vegan cakes, my vegan savory meals. I'm chopping the onions. I'm doing the dishes. I'm whisking the cakes. I'm doing a lot of different things. But one thing that I would like you to take from this season, and I understand that all of us are going through and are experiencing different things, just take time to be still. I love cloud gazing. So you're going to hear a bit of a sound of my Harare. My Harare is not in the busyness. My Harare and my Zimbabwe in particular is influenced and just really draws inspiration from nature, from the environment, from the wind, from the clouds. Um, And I hope that you enjoy it. Um, And I wish you guys all the best. Most importantly, stay safe. Don't be too hard on yourself and do the absolute best that you can every day. God bless and enjoy.